Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Sherrod. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here at the end of the road, the end of the year, year-end content. We talk about the millennial lifestyle. This week, literally video games, albums, rap music, movies, TV, anime, books even. This week we're talking about books. We're talking about a lot of things. Uh, we're doing... Okay, here's the thing. Like, can we get a theory off? Not a theory, but it's like when you listen to year-end content. We teased this in a you know, previous episode where we talked about year-end stuff. It's like usually you do what you do. Okay. The best of X that came out 2022, right? That's what yes. you're in content is, right? I Which is you- based upon some, some, some pretty arbitrary things. Uh, yeah. But. Yeah. The cutoffs for it is like, you know what I mean? It's, 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 I get why, we, why that's like the tradition of, you know, content production is we do, we group everything by year and we go, what was the best of the best? Right. And that's cool, but I remember a few years ago, this is like long enough ago, I was still on Twitter, and I remember Sam Donsky, our former colleague Sam Donsky, I remember he had like tweeted, he had made this tradition of at year end doing a best of list, but it was like a clusterfuck. It was like just the best 50 things, right? So it would be like albums, but on a list with movies, but on a list with books. And also he would allow himself to Also on a list with like moments of like Caravella yeah, yeah. courtside at Knicks games. Yeah. yeah embarrassing yeah, shit, or so. Yeah, shit like that. Shit like that. And it's also like, I think he would also make really arbitrary exceptions. It would be like mostly things that happened in that year. But then he'd be like, oh, this thing came out five years ago, but I just saw it. I'm putting it on here because I'm not going to not put it on here. Right. 
and and it's sort of it was it's an endearing sort of idiosyncratic approach Donsky has to well, that tradition. Yeah, I think it's like sort of finding a way to both characterize the year through you know moments in culture, but also like appreciating that like how can you a single person do that considering the amount that there was to consume yeah um like even as a culture critic right even as somebody who either is a film critic or games critic or a generalist you know dreaded generalist right but like um and so i i feel like we can take and we're not gonna do exactly like donsky did but like one thing I did when I was writing out stuff I'd want to talk about at the end of the year, I, I sort of bifurcated and said, okay, you know, for video game, for instance, it's like we, I could talk about what my favorite video game that came out this year is, but I'd also want to talk about like video, you know, the video game that I spent the most time thinking about and playing this year, even if it didn't come out this year, right? You just talk about both things. Yeah. And like I, in the spirit of bending the rules a little bit, to include things that you want to include because they are more truthful to the way that you like consume media this year. Yeah, um, correct. So I don't know. Should we just begin? Like I like we're really just we're chopping it up. We're chopping it up at about like the culture six different ways, right? Um, I don't know. What should we start with? Right? Like I think we should start at the beginning. You know, with what we have on our list, which is video games so what it's divided into is we're going to do best released and best played and again that just you know provides us a little bit of wiggle room to like talk about like maybe something that didn't come out this year but you know like that's not always going to be the case like because for me personally my the the best game that was released in my opinion was god of war ragnarok and the best game I played, and I mean, like, I had a full turnaround on this game, like, to it being, like, seriously my favorite game of the year. Elden Ring, obviously. Elden Ring, just what a journey. <laughs> I mean, in terms of, like, pure like maddening dedication to something like that I just was not going to let be better than me. I haven't had like that sort of like experience with a video game in decades almost like. Um, and then again, for it to be so good as for me to be outside of the front, like the the last fog door of the final boss and for me to have no idea why I was there, but knowing that I need to complete <laughs> the task in front of me. Yeah. That's how good the gameplay was. And like, it's got infinite replayability. Plus they have the new, um, PVP Coliseum mode that just came out, which is a lot of fun. Um, uh, yeah, like there's just, it's 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 a fantastic game but like in comparison like God of War is just so like that also has a lot of you know more replayability than the first although i think the remnants uh like they have these sort of ghost kings that you need to defeat after the game is over that are sort of function as the valkyries did in the first game and they're like less mechanically interesting to fight but the story of the 
the main game overall is like one of the best written things that was like released this year. Um, so I mean, like I just gotta like you know slide it right in there at at in and on November first at the very end of the year to get game of the year. Yeah, um, yeah, that release is interesting because it's it is like a kind of game of the year type. Like that's the size of something like God of War, and it does feel like maybe. <laughs> It kind of got sucked into this kind of undertow critically. But like when I, I've been listening to a bunch of like video game podcasts, do game of the year episodes, and like they all have to dance around the fact that Elden Ring is sort of their universal number one. But like, you know, people really love like Ragnarok, right? And, um, and like I said, I think I've mentioned this in a previous episode, like I would play it, but I, I feel like the right move is to play God of War 2018 first. So I'm just yeah. kind of that's like a backlog issue, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um and I mean just it's so much more it'll be so much more rewarding thematically. Like I mean obviously to play the first game first. Yeah. But just like for the for the emotional payoff even though the first game is hard and that's a big backlog. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, play the first game first. But it's shorter, right? Isn't isn't twenty eighteen? It is shorter. shorter than right. Okay, yeah. it so, is I mean, shorter that's... and a bit smaller. And it's probably um, on sale. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a uh, game of a year that edition for that too. You know, just go swipe it up real quick. Yeah, uh, my okay. So my best twenty twenty two like best release is Elden Ring, right? Um, and you know, to your point, right? You were talking about like. Uh, wanting to sort of beat a thing, like just desperation to beat, to defeat, to overcome a thing, and have like having felt like that for the first time in decades. You know, it's like I, in general, like um, playing difficult games of various styles. But I think when it comes to role playing games, I'm such a turn based guy, right? So it's like I like difficulty and like the harder like Shin Megami Tensei games, right? But And I was talking to Jeremy Gordon, who wrote this piece about Elden Ring. He wrote an essay, an, a very nice essay about Elden Ring. Sort of when that game was rolling out, um, not a review, but sort of a larger meditation on Elden Ring and the legacy of FromSoft. And I, it, he got me thinking about the difference between what it means for a turn-based game to be hard Right versus an action RPG like yeah. Elden Ring to be hard because it's very different, right? It's sort of mm -hmm. turn-based games that are hard, you know, Nocturne, something like that is hard, but it's hard because the rules and the damage values and those games are about intuition and like Elden Ring and the other FromSoft stuff ends up being about finesse, right? In this way that I I just hadn't really engaged with a lot of games that just demanded that much finesse. To make it yeah. through shit, you know? I, like, it's... There was... You know that a game is good <clears throat> when, like, the language of the broader community of it colonizes you, and you start talking yeah. about <laughs> it. Like, I mean, like... I like I didn't even know the like how to begin speaking about the game at the... Like, on the first... Like at level one on my first save, Good. like, <laughs> and at the end of like by the end, like at that fog door, as previously mentioned, I was 
having to consider how whether I needed to make wholesale changes to everything because I needed to boost my faith so that I could wear wholly damage negating armor and be able to pull off a black knife tish summon so that I could like it was just like basically yeah. all these different pieces that you have to think about and you also have to think about the weight of the equipment that you're carrying because you don't want to roll too heavy and rolling heavy was not a concept that I understood before. <laughs> like, this yeah, is you used all... to come up to me talking about fat rolling, you know. Yeah, like, so... I, like, I, <laughs> I mean, like, and iframes and, and like, you know, all this other shit that like I like what the f yeah, it, it was just like it's an incredible game. Yeah. Uh, and then my best played was Disco Elysium. Uh, really, like, really, really fun narrative, like, pseudo-political chance, luck-based sort of dice roll, role-playing game. Um, very sad, bleak, but also darkly funny game. Um, very quotable. Just, like, a very special... I, I've thought about that game a lot. The game inspired me to play sort of other games like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, Disco Elysium is is definitely... Especially for being of a genre of game that I, I generally hadn't really thought about a lot or played a lot of, uh, played a lot of, right? Like, yeah. I just... I don't know. It's just very special. Very vulgar, very special. Uh, fucking Kuno. Like, I... Yeah. <laughs> Disco Elysium, best played. Um, but Elden Ring is my... You know, best game that actually came out in 2022. Um, you want to do music? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's, finish this. You, let's just roll directly into albums because I think that we agree on the best album released. You know, let's okay, just start okay, there. I didn't actually look at you. Yes. Okay, we do. <laughs> which is which? <laughs> which honestly, I felt like I it's, like it's, it's I, I like I felt very like you know uh, like by default like it was process of elimination, not like something not, not like this album yeah. jumped straight out to me. No, I, yeah, so I am like, with you. Totally, totally. It with you. was it was you know like an aggressive 7 out of 10 when it came out and it maintained be like a 7 yeah. out of 10 rating. It lost no luster. It lost, yeah, it lost no, no luster. luster with time is the thing. Yeah. And all the other tentpole or event releases or, you know, things that would have risen above the fold, so to speak, like, were like maybe six, maybe six and a half out of 10s. Like, tops. Like, and then there was obscure stuff that was better than all of these things, but not stuff that would be like, you know, I wouldn't be being truthful to like, it's it, the overall impact that the thing had. Like, uh, you know, like, like best release, like it's just, it's just future. I never liked you. Like, it's just like, yeah. there's no, both of us, both of us. Like yep. <laughs> I, it, like, Judging by that interminable like setup I had there, you could tell that I didn't really want to do it either. Like it was just like you know, <laughs> if it was like, it's just sort of like, damn, 
there's really nothing. There wasn't anything better, actually. Yeah, just it's it, what on to onto your point about the six point fives that would compete with it. It's also there are albums that came out like big event type albums that came out and maybe could trick you for a month into thinking that they were eights, and then with time you realize that they were sixes. Whereas this is what I mean. You know what it is? I'm going to make a comparison that's going to seem like a diss, and it's not. I mean it just dead ass, like face facts reality. The future album is like Joe Biden in the in the primaries. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's kind of like Joe Biden in the primaries. He came in as the front runner. Everybody is, that down. <laughs> no, he came I'm in. not allowing it. I'm not allowing that. No, okay, this is, is no, but no, 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 no. To de- to dig further into your earlier and better point about it, like there being some albums that are like eight out of tens initially, you know, just because you listen along. With the rest of everyone else, you know, yeah. like there's I there's, you know, sort of this bullying of everyone being academic about the same thing, like, and it sort of raises all boats. But the thing is, is that like when you actually sit down to yourself and the put something on, you know what the truth is eventually down the line. Well, same th- way that like albums that are initially bad could grow on you. Like there are ones that initially, you know, d- that don't really survive the first like 48 yeah. to 72 hours of the album cycle. Like yeah. um, you're not saving any of the songs. You're not hearing them anywhere. The, the music videos are just all right. Whatever. Like, but I never liked you st- was up and stuck for yeah. like the yeah. amount of time that it came out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Because like that counterpoint you're describing is frankly like CLB, right? The moment yeah. where it's like CLB comes out and there's a or good 24 project. hours. That's a larger I mean, that's, like, like, that's yeah. a larger problem, sure. Right, it comes out and it feels like the biggest shit in the world and you're so raptured by it in that way that it, it sort of gives itself a three-point handicap, but it loses those three points and then you're just like, oh, he rapping about Snoopy again. Like, what is the? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> whereas Future is just he's got he's got he's just charming at this point, man. Future just has charisma and execution, and like, it's Future. The answer is Future. Who's your most? Yeah. Who's your best? Uh, listen, like you know, best project you listened to a lot this year that did not necessarily come out this year, though. So, like, my best listen albums, like are Tia Corinne, I Can't Wait, which uh, has like that song Freaky T, like those two songs, Freaky T and Shaka Khan, which are like my, oh, the future of pop music is fine songs. Like, <laughs> this is Tia Corinne's, uh rapper from Winston-Salem. Um, but like it's, you know, it's sort of reductive to just say rapper, although like she has one of the cooler voices in rap music currently, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, like that 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 album is just so much fun. And on like the cover, she's like styled as Sora from Kingdom Hearts, which I really enjoyed. Um, but the most, like, most, most I've listened to this thing everywhere and from the first time that a friend texted it to me, I, you know, like, asked the people at PT to put it on the loudspeakers and, you know, ride around listening to it all the time. 
was Doughboy Catch Me If You Can, uh, which is a EP that came out like in July. And it has just like one of those mixtapes that just has like, it's like a, it just sounds like a street classic because the first five songs on it are perfect. <laughs> like, and there's only like nine songs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like maybe the best record on there is Pep in My Step. Maybe the best record on there is Off the Porch. Maybe the best record on there is Options. Maybe the best record on there is something else, you know? Like it's every time you go back to it, the a new thing sounds like what rap music should sound like. Mm-hmm. Like and on um like Pepper Step just has this incredible moment and in like it, they start the second verse off and Doughboy just has this like and like the like the gruff like tweetable shit that you used to get from like like DJ White Owl mixtapes and shit is like that's like Doughboy's wheelhouse. He's just like they say I'm like easy and I'm like hmm is that right? Only way that he like me shit my gun the same height. <laughs> is like one of like that's like, the that's best like, that's lines yeah, I've heard good. this year. Yeah. Um and then like PZ's only built for diamond links. I like, you know, I texted that to everyone I cared about. Give it up this, a PZ. this past mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is I, I mean hustle versus scammer. Um 2 million up like that's just thank you for proper usage of the Dennis Edwards sample. Finally, um, you know, yeah, uh, like it's just a great album. Like, uh, so those are my best lists. And what about you? Uh, I ended up going this year down this weird rabbit hole of of Japanese post hardcore like rock, just fucking turn of the century, turn of the millennia. You know, like Ooh. this band Number Girl. Which like even just getting getting Number Girls discography together on the, the streaming platform Spotify etc. Um, was a little messy, but like this album Sapuki, like just listen to this shit, man. Just just go on, just go on the app. Just going. Wait, is it? Is it? It's 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 like it's Japan post hardcore. Like yeah, so, this is like. Yeah. Yeah, mid nineties, no, like two thousand, like years oh, two thousand. Okay, okay. yeah. This like, is that's years? where we at. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Two thousand. Okay. It's really it's like very very two thousands. Uh, okay. like a lot of the stuff I ended up listening to, and it's like it all. Yeah. I sort of the origin point for this, for all of it was like Sapaki by Number Girl. That shit is fire. That that album. That's like it's eleven songs. Is there's no it's less an hour. That shit goes hard. The like the is- EPs for for like original '90s print animes, like that's what this that's what this shit sounds like. It's like just it's I, just it's it's one of those things too where it's like you cover you cover we we obviously listen to lots of different kinds of music, right? But it's like you cover rap or you cover pop for long enough, right? And it's like me, right? Where I was not into rock really at all growing up, right? I was really just into R and B and rap, and then into other shit, other non sort of popular music oriented shit altogether. But like, I don't know, man, like number girl, I was, I was, there was a period I was listening to number girl where I was just, I was just sort of meditating on how I wasted my youth, not listening to rock music. 
Right. It, it took Number Girl for me to be like, oh, shit, I fucked up. I actually should have been. <laughs> I should have been listening to I rock music. I should have just been having feelings, man. Yeah, I should have been listening to rock music in my 20s is, is where I ended up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, everybody go check out Number Girl because that's, that's where my head was at other than listening to Future. I never liked you. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do, too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, listen. The next category, right, is movies. I'm I'm taking a buy. Like the issue is this: I spent like a good chunk of this year. We we both were injured this year, right? We both had like leg issues. I think with me, I I had a period where it was just like I wasn't gonna go to the movie theater, and then I just kind of altogether fell out of the habit of really going to actual theatrical releases. So I don't want to get up here and be like, yeah, the best movie that came out this year that I saw was The Batman because it's one of two movies that I actually went to see in the theater. You know what I mean? And actually, you know, like on further review, it's like the first 10 minutes and 37 seconds of The Batman. Like, uh, that's, I would that's... say more than that, but okay. All right. I maybe feel where you're coming from. Because um, I love the club shit. I love the club shit. I love the shit I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm just saying that like the like the movie of the year shit is the yeah, yeah, is sure. is the, like I haven't even seen Tar yet. And like Tar sounds like a movie yeah, that I've I will been, exactly. Love, I have seen. been yeah. meaning to see Tar. I yeah. have been meaning to see Tar. Um 
you know, and I too feel like I can't until I see Tar and, t- and decision to leave the new mm-hmm. Park Chan Wook movie. I mean, to see like, I feel like I also can't fully like, and also I feel like Pale Blue Eye is like gonna be right up my alley. That just came out. I kind of want to see that, but I am gonna hazard a pick anyway. Because I watch a lot of movies and I watched a lot of movies and I want to talk about movies a little bit on the end of our, our, our year-end podcast. And I think, like, go, the, like for the experience of, like, going to the movies and being, like, surprised by how much I enjoyed, like, the experience of the film that I went to see, which, I mean, like, I really didn't read anything about it or watch a lot of the previews. I just knew about um it being the new uh you know Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson movie from the guy that did in Bruges and like Banshees of Inisherin like is an incredible movie actually. Yeah, what's it called again what's it called again Banshees of Inisherin Inter- okay can i say something real quick i want you to keep going yeah. but i want to i i want to i want you to as you continue going be responsive to something i'm about to say which is like I've always hated in Bruges. Now continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, like, I am not I don't get in going Maybe to tell you, yeah. like, that it's not just like a moody. It's not just like a moody film about male adult male friendship or like mm-hmm. adult friendship in general, or the the like, just like the awkwardness and negotiation of it, like. Okay. Uh, during like I like I told I think I talked about this before like during the times of the troubles like so it's a decent backdrop that like is enough for you know for the to, like for it to be an incredibly Irish movie mm-hmm. and then to cast their sort of um, to cast like the like the the conflict between the characters onto like something larger. Like uh, something rumbling in the distance to pretend like a coming uh, change in the relationship between the two characters. Like it's used that sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just like a very, it's one of those things where it was kind of like I was thinking a lot about the subject at the time. And then the movie surprised me by being so like a, you know, decent examination of that thing, like possibly even like poignant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny too for like me not really it not being like my sort of sensibility of movie, like like there it just being sort of like the comedy of it coming primarily from like the Irishness of it. Yeah, but also it being sort of slapsticky in a way that you can like attach yourself to. Like, all right, I have this thing has consistent internal logic that I can follow. Um, but it's also just like really well made and pretty. Um, okay. That's a good that's a good wreck. Okay. Yeah. I'm feeling um, that. Yeah. I I it's like what even can I ask what even happened like on the other end of the spectrum? What even ha- what were the big movies? I guess it would have been everything, everywhere all at once, right? And then wasn't there like a Doctor Strange? What were the Marvel shits that was out there? Oh, uh, I mean, like it was Multiverse, Multiverse of Madness, and there was some like Avatar, obviously. 
Well, Avatar Way of Water. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. It was, I, I saw that last night. And it was the longest movie I have ever seen in my life. Not like, you know, it's, it is the most James Cameron movie I've ever seen, if that makes sense. Like, I, I think we all can imagine. <laughs> I'll just have to imagine the fire, you know? Yeah, you're just going to have to imagine the fire. Um, it's got some moments in it. Uh, they they got a they got a reverse Moby Dick in there that's pretty tight. Uh, and yeah, the, you will just have to imagine the fire. And you know what, James Cameron, on the off on the infinitesimal chance that you you know catch this comes into earshot, you know, just make a fucking video game. This story would be better that way. I think generally, you know. But I, I mean, like, I don't know if that's going to buy you more submarines, which I think you want. Like, you know. It's <laughs> a little Navy. Uh, <laughs> Private just, Navy. Uh, We've been yeah, watching um, and building it since we were kids, too. Like, ever since that shit in Titanic, the I'm a Marine biologist shit in Titanic, uh, <laughs> it's just like, he might actually have, like, a private island and a fleet, and he's going to go support Ukraine, right? I don't know. Um... Uh yeah, and then like you know best best movie I've watched. I thought about this a lot, and I'm mm -hmm. just like like in the same vein that like I sat down, I had like ninety spare minutes, and then was utterly surprised by how good the thing was. Uh, pray actually mm -hmm. like um mm -hmm. was like pretty awesome. Like as a like as a slasher as a slasher flick, like I really enjoyed the stunt casting of like um the lead actor who was in Hell or High Water. I also enjoyed the congratulatory thrill of recognizing her from that movie, um, and like the Predator stuff, like was just done on the exact right scale, like to the exact right level of vision um, to make it seem like just outside of like the realm of human possibility that anybody could even lay a finger on this thing. But with the right amount of cutting and like, you know, you knowing the terrain, maybe you could mm -hmm. like, you know, get a lucky shot at, which is what eventually happens. And it's so thrilling when it eventually does that you like are up like cheering for you know this woman and like you had no idea who she was like to the point where the like the director is actively trying to lead your eye away from her even in the beginning of the movie um, because like the point is that she can hide in plain sight mm -hmm. uh, but yeah like I, I really enjoyed Prey as well you you're you're our, our sole film correspondent on this segment, like I said. So thank you for those. You will get weirder picks. Yeah. You know? Um, TV. Let's do this. Okay, TV. We, we might even. I I don't know whether. I, I don't want to scroll ahead yet and spoil myself on your picks for anime later. But I just have an anime pick in my best TV pick. I have 
cyberpunk edge runners as best tv like it was almost andor for me it was almost andor and i i love andor mm-hmm. but when i really thought back on a new tv series that i sat down and wasn't just impressed with but was like damn they actually like they exceeded my expectations not just sort of gently but raucously it was definitely cyberpunk edge runners like david and lucy and fucking rebecca like that show and and yeah there's the narrative of like it's a spin off it's like a you know it's spun it's spun off from cyberpunk 2077 this huge catastrophe of a video game rollout that everybody mocked for a year and yada 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 and the rehabilitation of cyberpunk 2077 sure but like just on its own merits i thought cyberpunk edge runners was uh, I don't know. It had been a while since I had really, I don't want to say a while, but it had at least been since Devilman Crybaby, right? Since I had sat down and watched uh, a really luxuriously animated action anime thing and been like, yeah, they animated the shit out of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I, it was for me. Okay. Okay. And it was like heartfelt. That's the thing. It's 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 not, you know. Obviously, Shonen is action, right? Like, I'm, it's it's obviously Edge Runners is something different. It's this character drama. It's this this again. It's a sci-fi cyberpunk character drama, right? It's not like action anime isn't fucking booming right now. But it's just that Edge Runners just had a kind of narrative aspiration and a tone, and even just the colors and shit, man. Like it just, that show just looks beautiful and makes me feel sad but also makes me root <laughs> for these little-ass kids. Like, I fucking loved Edge Runners, man. It was uh, great. Edge Runners was incredible, but I had different picks for all these things. Okay. Uh, unlike you. Um, I did choose TV Best Release. I, I went with Andor. Okay. Because I, like, prequels were good this year. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, prequels just were, pr- pr- the, the prequel stuff was coming off. Like, I don't know if it was the fourth time being the charm thing or, you know, like, people that coming in that had absolutely no respect for the franchise and question thing happening with Tony Gilroy. Yeah. But, like, Andor is like far exceeded my expectations yeah. from like even watching episode one like mm-hmm. um and it's just so well made like one way out is i think one of the the, the best episodes of television of the last couple of years and definitely the best episode of television this year um it's tense. The shit is tense. Like, Andrew's just it's so good so at being tense. tense. Yeah, it's, it's so good, so at, being a tense good at being tense. Um, the best TV show I watched, actually, I forgot this came out, but it was at the top of the year. Uh, we need to talk about Cosby. I watched a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. this year, and that mm-hmm. was the best one. Okay. Um, What's the structure the, of that doc? Is it really? It's um, so, like, kind of explaining, uh, like Cosby's rise and precipitous fall from grace through, you know, a constellation of characters that are then like also asked to watch clips of the Cosby show on screen. So it's like Mm. you have, you get people that 
present like their media trained answers for things. Yeah. Like, you know, if I, if you asked me, you know, like off the bat, like what I thought about Cosby and imagine I gave you hellfire and brimstone, we should lock him up and throw him away the key. And, oh, like, I'm glad, like, you know, that inmate threw the fish patty in his face in the, in the buffet, whatever line, like the TMZ story said, like, you know, I could say all these different things, but then I, you hand me an iPad with the episode of, uh, him and, uh, him and Felicia Rashad dancing in the living room to Nights of Tunisia. And you got to watch my face, like the way it moves when, when like, you know, yeah. like I, I'm putting that thing from my childhood is put in front of me and I feel comfort from it, knowing what I know now. Like all that, that juxtaposition is present throughout the entire documentary. And it's so well done in that manner. Yeah. That, okay. That actually, I, I don't even know if we ever really talked about that. Uh, oh. when it was I, that's interesting i didn't i didn't sort of know that that was kind of the i just yeah sort of it kind of slid right by, I, I like i forgot that it was this year because it was jan it came out january 30th like so it was like very top of the year but um yeah kamal bell made like a very good uh like examination not just of like the figure in question but like the time in question yeah um and its broader effect on the way that like culture itself looks today and not just like black culture tm you know yeah, like i mean yeah, like the yeah, way that yeah. like television look like it's just yeah. very yeah very smart i liked it um, best anime released. I think, wait, wait, was... wait. I gotta go back. I gotta go back to because I forgot to mention. Okay, I actually, hold things. on. Let me stop that then. Right. You okay. can just take from oh, the top right. of your TV. Sure. Okay. Um, before I forget, for my TV best watch that didn't, you know, premiere this year, Search Party. Uh, that show, man. Uh, that fucking that show. <laughs> I still, and to this day, to this day, I can't believe how Search Party ends. Or it's like it's 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 sort of the it's one of those cases where if you juxtapose where you started with where a thing ended, you're just like, what the fuck happened, right? And and you sort of can't you marvel at the fact that you rode along with it. Um, fucking Ali Shaka, like I and then I was like my my wife and I watched like Sex Lives with College Girls there's an episode last night where Drew from Search Party turned up and I started having flashbacks I was like I gotta watch that show again man that shit is that shit is wild Search Party is wild I wish more people talked about it like I feel like the there's so many you know big post prestige things that I I want to rewatch all at once Mr. Robot Search Party Halt and Catch Fire but like Search Party is definitely I don't know of shows that I caught up with super late to their initial wave of like people being really into them Search Party is the one that like stuck in my brain um that show was just very fun it very dark, but very fun, but very everything. And yeah, search party. Um, now, okay, so best anime. I mean, the, the trouble for me is that it's Edge Runners, right? Even if I think 
I won't act like I watched as much anime this year as I I was, you know, tended to watch like 10 years ago. So maybe that's part of the problem too. But it's just like, it's Edge Runners, man. Like Edge Runners is the best anime thing I watched this year. I liked Ranking um, of Kings. Like I liked a lot of other stuff, but Edge Runners is the thing that just fucking they nailed it. Okay. Uh, ten. I think that was Chainsaw Man. Yeah, or yeah. is continuing to be Chainsaw yeah, Man. That's fair. That's um, totally fair. Like Chainsaw Man has just had no skips on the album. You know, like there's there's only like the the twelfth episode, or I don't know if that's the finale or the mid season finale or what, whichever one it's supposed to be. I think it I think it is just like the finale is mm-hmm. is coming this this coming Tuesday. Um. Like, and it's just been, it's the first, um, I guess it runs up like the first couple, like maybe the first two volumes of like, uh, of, of the manga. And like, it's before I think like the real, like it's the first, re- it's, it's sort of like Jujutsu Kaisen in that the end of season one is going to be like the real first you know, serious bout after training, um, you know, like that it otherwise would have been like more story would have been eaten up like if in a, in a 26 episode season. Um, but like the first 12 episodes are very evenly paced. Everything is beautifully animated. There's just no complaints. Like it's it's funny, it's sexy. There's like really great mini arcs. There's a, a fun opening song and great outro yeah. music. It's just perfect, you know. Yeah. Um, Wait, can I? Actually, I have a question for you because I and this is based on something I overheard somebody else in some other podcast say. Do you think? Do you think? Jujutsu Kaisen looks better than Chainsaw Man? Like, from an animation perspective. Do you think it looks better than Chainsaw Man? Do I think it looks better? I I, I, I heard somebody insisting that Jujutsu Kaisen looks better in terms of the animation than Chainsaw Man. I thought I was, like, losing my mind a little bit. Jujutsu Kaisen has... I, I mean, like... I think Jujutsu Kaisen has better choreographed fight scenes. Okay. But I think that Chainsaw Man, I don't I can't think you I don't think you can argue that like anything looks better than Chainsaw, Chainsaw Man. Man. Yeah, I, yeah, I I think that's that's where my head was too. It's trying Like to in terms of like layers of gloss, like fidelity to an idea like the Every like the tone of everything being perfect, the CGI being slipped in at just the right time and not being overbearing, like yeah. the shading, the moodiness of it, the way that some stuff just like feels like a music video from beginning to end. Like mm. it's just there's a like there. I think it was maybe like from episode six to seven. Whenever Denji like. Uh, meets Himeno and they go out for company drinking night and she absconds with Denji in the night and he thinks he's going to get lucky and she ends up like, you know, passing out because she's too drunk or whatever. The Like the way that they are, they shoot that from his perspective um, and 
like the way that Himeno gets to like really live like in the show in a way that she doesn't get to in the comics um for the from the short period of her introduction to like her to her ultimate death like it's really like she gets to be a super vibrant character because of the way that they animated it yeah like chainsaw man is just like so it's just such a better looking thing than anything else like, yeah i think i think you just there got at sort of why i raised the question right which is like i think the worst case the worst case fear anybody gotta have for chainsaw man knowing that it was like super expensive super extravagantly animated is like okay a, a like the worst case scenario would have been Chainsaw Man would have looked overproduced, I guess. And anybody who was super into like 2000s anime knows what overproduced anime, overproduced ass looking anime looks like. And Chainsaw Man's not that. Like part of the, the, that adaptation looks interesting. It looks, it's stylish without being overly stylized. Like I actually think that the, I don't know, man. Like I do agree. I think on an animation perspective, that show is perfect. I think there's also because the like the manga itself, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit more later, like is so busy. Yeah. Like the people, like the showrunners really chose the things that they liked and focused on them. Like instead of taking all 16 things, they took five and really made them like sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, Um, On from anime books 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 I mean, like, literacy you know, talk to me about no books man literacy like, you ain't got no book you have, listen i i got books do you got books non-manga books non-manga have, books i i don't have like book like the books that i like were i don't have a book that was released this year best book that i've read um was <laughs> after like you know the period where I was reading like Kafka on the shore and like mm-hmm. you know all this other booty shit and Bram Stoker's Dracula like my girlfriend was just like hey I got the book that was based on for you and it was Carmilla by Jay Sheridan Lefanu and it is sort of like even more like I guess it's like less like history, less episodic than like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula is. Like it's like a tighter narrative from beginning to end, and I liked it a lot. Maybe that was the best book I've read this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like I've read like a like mad books yeah, <laughs> and can sure. say that like you know that is a uh you know can't say that that's like a sample like you know a, a, a meaningful sample of anything um but yeah like what what about you well uh i i feel you it's like i am not a you know we're, we're really straining being book, book critics at this point but um this year okay i'll do both books that came out this year so gabrielle zevin's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow uh, like that book, that novel is a novel, right? And it's kind of a, it's like, I think if you look at the pitch for that novel, it's, you'd think, okay, nerd culture novel, like the story is about two friends who grow up to become like 
video game developers together and they found a business together and they just have these competing philosophies of game design and they have, you know, they also have com- conflicting dispositions and they want different things for their careers. And one of them is a man and one of them is a woman. And they have this other friend, you know, Marx, who, who becomes their producer. And it's just like this character drama that in the first half, I think, is good. Like the first half of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is good. But it, it kind of left a lot, a lot of like doubt in my mind of like, OK, is this going to be kind of like literary but otherwise a kind of reference driven nerd culture thing and then the fucking second half of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow goes fucking nuts like they really lean i mean if anybody recognizes the title from macbeth it's like the second half of the book leans hard into shakespeare it gets super weird it gets super magical realism like the second half of the book, the, the second half of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is like definitely one of my favorite experiences of a fiction release in like in the past few years. Like definitely nailed the ending of that book. Um, and then of books that I read that did not come out this year, Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash. I think I've talked about it on the pod already before. That is another book. That is like obviously like a genre building work. Uh, Snow Crash is fucking nuts. The energy of that book. That is like, that is a dick swinging book. Pardon my <laughs> French. Okay. Like that book is just <laughs> wild. Like the, the fucking main character's name is Hero Protagonist. Like, like, <laughs> you just, like, just let's go. That book has an extreme let's go vibe. And the weird thing is that the, the sort of vitality of that book drives all the way to the last page to me. Like, that is the kind of book that should run out of stamina at some point, and I do not think it ever does. And it is messy, but it is... And I think even if you look at reviews over the years of Snow Crash, it's sort of like, well, you have to kind of get its influence, and you have to kind of get that, you know, sci-fi writers and cyberpunk writers aren't necessarily the most literary, precise stylists. It's like, fuck all that. Like, Neil Stevenson's a fucking genius. Like, I've read other Neil Stevenson stuff at this point. Snow Crash is... Everyone should fucking read Snow Crash. That book is incredible. I'm, that's another thing where it's like, I'm mad I did not read this before age 20, much less before age 30. Snow Crash. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow and Snow Crash. On to manga. It's Chainsaw Man, man. It's not, it, we don't yeah, even need to break. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's not even man. like there's, we, we don't even need to break stride, you know? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's Chainsaw Man. And I read man. other shit. I read other shit. I read more. I read some Sanin shit. Trust me. I, I, I'm not just like a shonen dude. Like I read, I've, I've read other stuff. I talked about Sensei's Pious Lie on here before, but it's Chainsaw Man, dog. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the best one that I read though, you know, just to just just for the sake of variety, yeah, was um Takahiko Inoue's Vagabond. I finally got around to reading it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is the most gorgeous thing. Like it's a like a it's the most gorgeous manga I've ever read, definitely. And and I do mean that in terms of like the fine line style of like Inoue's drawing, mm-hmm. like um, Inoue did like uh, what was it, Slam Dunk or like uh, 
it was um i think it was like it was like otherwise it was sports manga and then like this was like the only one that was sort of like you know action but really mm. it's more about like human philosophy like there's like of course like it's it's ultra like there's ultra violent parts to it but like my favorite stuff is like when he gets when takazo like tall red-haired all action unstoppable character that Inoue prefers like uh like a swordsman from the mountains who doesn't need anybody and can hack his way through his problems then needs to learn how to be kind that's mm-hmm. sort of what the sh- the book is about um but he's more like Takazo is like just concerned with being invincible so um, like he just sets out in search of swordsmen to defeat and, you know, and like, so that he can finally earn the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one old, like he just keeps meeting old men that teach him things about life. <laughs> so like he comes upon this, like the, the Yagyu arc is probably my favorite one. Uh, Cause he comes mm-hmm. to like Sekushai Yagyu who like, has the moon blade or some other sort of style where he doesn't even need to draw a sword and you know swordlessness is the highest form of swordsmanship or some sort of other nonsensical cone like that mm-hmm. but like Takazo is always like presented with these interesting opportunities to like you know either advance his career or become a better person <laughs> Um, so there is like, he's, he actually gets the drop on like the guy who is sickly. Like he's suddenly, you know, after feeling more powerful than ever, like he suddenly falls ill and loses all his hair and, you know, he's in bed asleep and Takuzo has a sword drawn over his head, but can't kill him. Not because he like literally, you know, physically, he can't bring himself to do it because he physically can't do it. Like he's arrested somehow. And like the sort of, you know, telepathic conversation begins between him and the sleeping old master. And then like, he, there's this beautiful panel where he's just kind of like, you know, why do you even want to be called invincible? Like what does invincible as a thing mean? Even do you even understand what it is you're searching after? If like if if concepts are too hard for you to grasp by looking at them, then close your eyes. And then like there's another beautiful like giant panel where it's just Takazo like in space and like the uh the superimposed letters on it are like, Do you realize how infinite you are? And it's like such a beautiful like thing. <laughs> like he just gets like he gets schooled in beautiful ways like the entire series that's just what it's all about um and i and i and i like it a lot that i mean i would give an equivalent sort of again rehash sensei's pious lie as my secondary thing other than chainsaw man but that it's just like Sensei's Pious Lies, like a series of trigger warnings <laughs> i just <laughs> like you have to bleep out everything i'd say about that book I mean, it's some intense shit, some psychodrama and abusive men and like, uh, it, yeah, 
Google it. <laughs> Go to the Goodreads <laughs> reviews. Maybe if Sensei's Pie is Live, you want to know what it's about. But it's like some very uh, sort of like shit. Femsa, like I said, I, a reader actually responded to me mentioning femsels on this, but like it's it's some psychosexual drama that goes to some extreme places, but is also just really interesting in how it deals with some really bitter characters who sort of, again, I, the way I described it in the episode I first mentioned it was it is hurt people, hurt people, the manga, Sensei's Pious Lie. <laughs> Four omnibus volumes. Go for it if you have the stomach for it. That's everything, right? Did we get everything that we wanted to to sort of all the categories? Yeah, I think I think we did. I think we got to everything. All right. I mean, I think we did. I think we that was that was eclectic enough. I thought that was eclectic enough. And like I said, like again, shouts out to Sam Donsky. I like this better than trying to be like, let's just do a music episode and talk. But like, you know what I mean? It's like this is. Sound only is about taste in a far more comprehensive sense, right? You know, this is it's a gift and a curse, right? We cover a lot of shit. We touch a lot of different lanes, okay? Um, Stefan, anything you want to weigh in with? I don't know. I feel like we listeners, you know, whatever, whatever we didn't talk about. Like for instance, I was on Ringerverse talking about video games of the year, like, and I just remember immediately after we finished recording, I closed my eyes and I was like, fuck. None of us played Xena um, Blade Chronicles three, and we're gonna get so much hate mail about it not being on any of our lists for like game of the year or some shit like that. And like that's a good example. Like if anybody wants to write in to yell at me about how come you didn't play Xena Blade Chronicles three this year, I mean the answer is because I didn't like Xena Blade Chronicles one when I played it on the Switch after paying sixty dollars for it. But, um, listeners. By all means, write in what was your favorite shit this year or shit that isn't even of this year, but that you got into this year. Soundonlypod at gmail.com. Micah, is that it? Is that everything? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's everything. You know, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays Mar- or whatever you, whatever you Merry Chrysler. Merry, Merry Chrysler. <laughs> yeah. There's uh, all, all those things. There's Happy Holidays to you and yours. Um, we will see you all next year. Yes. Uh, yes. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. Shouts out to our producer, Stefan Anderson. See y'all later. Yeah.